This station is conducting a test of the emergency broadcast system. This is only a test. Look, before we start this episode of the James McMahon Music Podcast, I need to tell you something. I need your help. I need you, when you finish with the episode, to go to the platform you've listened to this podcast on and give me a rating, a review, and to subscribe too. It helps me cheat the algorithm and get more ears on the podcast. And know this, I'm very grateful for it. Also, I have a substack where I write about music and film and telly and all sorts of stuff. I love it if you sign up for dispatches. There are different price options, five quid a month, 50 quid a year, and for that, you get access to loads of exclusive writing and podcasts. It's the most helpful thing you can do to support the stuff I make. And again, I'd be so grateful. That's spook.substack.com. That's spook with three O's. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank Jesus. This concludes this test of the emergency broadcast system. Oh, shit. You're listening to the James McMahon Music Podcast. And I'm your host. James McMahon, and this is a Spook Media Production. The 1988 single by indie pop geniuses, The Primitives, is the best pop song ever written. It is. No, really it is. Science proves it. Formed in 1984, disbanded in 1992, then reunited in 2009, the Coventry-born group have some story to tell. And with a brand new single buzzing about, a UK tour plotted for May 2023, and an installation celebrating their storied career due to open at the Coventry Music Museum next February, they've got plenty to talk about in the here and now too. What better time than now than to get guitarist and ever-constant Paul Court on the podcast for a natter? I can think of no better time. So let's get into it then. Yeah, no, awesome, man. It's a, a real thrill to speak to you. I, um, I'm, I, I love all your records. I've, uh, I was a big indie pop kid in the nineties, and I, I feel like your, I feel like your band was. Um, you kind of had to be like cool to be aware of like who the primates were, and I'm not saying I was cool, but like. I definitely like when I sort of turned up and started brandishing, you know, your your first record around. Um, the, the the fact that you were kind of on, well, you, you were kind of absent without leave at that point. You know, it was um, yeah. it definitely made me appear cooler than perhaps I, I really was. Yeah. Um, so what what are the group up to at the moment? I mean, I know that you're back and you've been back since two thousand and nine, right? Yep. Well, we just released a single uh, all by ourselves this year. We've done a few gigs. And then next year, we're going to play a few shows because it's 35 years since our debut album. So we're going to 
sort of tribute to that. It's not like we're not going to play the whole album, we're just going to do a little acoustic thing in the middle of a, a regular a regular set. Oh, right. That's exciting. Yeah, so that's that's it, really. And um, just been sorting out this thing. There's a museum in Coventry, a Coventry Music Museum, and they're doing a thing in February, and it's kind of based around our big hit, because that'll be 35 years since that. That's wild. And the big prims year of 88 will kind of, and it's the story of the band as well, radiating out from that single. So, yeah, been helping with that. It's hard, isn't it? It's like it's literally the the elephant in the room with the primitives is the fact that you basically, in uh, some point in the eighties, basically you know wrote the best pop single of all time. <laughs> I just saw the uh, NME best songs of eighty eight, and we were number um, seven or something. I think I think Nick Cave was number one, couple of Morrises, and there we were. So that's quite nice. I don't remember that. Too low though. I mean, <laughs> do do you feel like? I don't know. What's your relationship like with that song? I think a lot of bands, when they have a song which, you know, most sort of like, um, you know, is like a colossus over the rest of their career, which, you know, in many ways, Crash has been, they have a complicated relationship with it. How, what, what's your feelings on it all these years on? Um, we're fine with it. I mean, if it wasn't for that song, we'd be, you know, such a lower stature kind of thing. You know, we'd just be another band that got in the chart for a week with one record or whatever, and we had a few of it smaller hits after that one but yeah so it's obviously helped a lot you know it's uh put us on the map properly really i mean it was in that film as well in mid-90s was you know dumb and dumber yeah jim carrey movie um and that that gave it a brand new lease of life i mean from that there was lots of cover versions and things so um yeah it's um it's definitely a massive feather in my cap do you feel though there's that thing that lemmy says you know a couple of years before he dies where he's just like when people are screaming for ace of spades and he's like we have written other songs you know has there ever been a sense of that with you yeah obviously yeah people do think we're just it's just that one song and uh it's not worth exploring any further but um i mean one of the good things about spotify is that it just put those 10 songs together you know so obviously crashes at number one but anyone that wanted to kind of find out about the band at least they can you know i'm not a great spotify fan but at least he does have that you know, put the songs in front of them, kind of thing. You mentioned the the its inclusion on Dumb and Dumber on that soundtrack. Um, it's like a it's like an extended version. How much did you have to do with that? Zero. We, that's, we, that's, we, wi- that's wild to me. I know it is. It is. I can't imagine doing it to like Paul McCartney or something. Yeah. I mean, we just heard that um, all your songs in this film in America that's sort of the sort of bit of a box office hit kind of thing. And then um, I think Danny Baker played it on Radio 1 or something. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty mad. They put like, loads of new guitars on there and backing vocals, chopped it up a bit, so it's a different arrangement. don't really listen to it much, but uh, I kind of like it. It's just got this horrible guitar bit in. I don't know why they put that in. It's, you know, Th- That's the bit I hate. Like, yes. Yeah, it's, it, it's wild because it just, it just doesn't sound like your band. No, it's um, it was a kind of Beatles jangly thing and it's in this kind of, kind of punk kid in his bedroom trying to, you know, play Widdly Widdly kind of stuff. I, I just can't get over that being a thing that someone would do. I used to be in a band and we were on a compilation CD once and someone asked us to contribute a song to it and we did and it was quite a long song, like it was like seven minutes, uh, which isn't really what our band did, but I don't know what happened there. It was right at the end of our band's lifetime and 
things were going a bit weird. And uh, we contributed this song, and I remember him ringing up and going, uh, can I cut it in half? And me being like, what the fuck? Like, it wasn't yeah. even like, it wasn't even a particularly good song, right? But I just remember being like, you can't be asking that of people. No, no. It's, uh, well, yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? I mean, this, obviously we were completely dismissed in the 90s as not even being worth contacting to ask about it. But, um, yeah, can't mind about the royalties, of course, but... Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, what was going on in, for you in the nineties? Because you know, you you, you disbanded in nineteen eighty two. Because I yeah. always because I always felt a bit like you know, as I said, you know, you were like this sort of cult band that I was pleased to have to, to pleased to be aware of. You know, while I'm listening to all my Britpop records because that's when I'm a teenager at that point. Yeah. And um, but I, I, with hindsight, I always remember thinking, if you just hung on a little bit longer, maybe that Britpop stuff sort of. Uh, Maybe it sort of sucks you in. Yeah, I don't know. I think um, we were. I think we split about a year, year and a half, two years before that. Hmm. I'm not sure. Would yeah, maybe we could have bridged over to that, but I kind of think we'd have got lost in it as well. But maybe because we were already established, we could have you know rode on top of it. But um, yeah, I don't know. It felt like our time was up, really. Um, you know, I and mean, we had no. Um, support or anything from you know the music press by then so it's, it's kind of like yeah i don't know it's weird isn't it? if it was like a year later would we have kind of done what pork did or something and you know but it's you know i can't quite imagine it i mean it's not my favorite era that time i mean i don't mind some of the bands but you know that i'm kind of glad we disappeared before fucking loaded magazine and all that lad stuff started up you know yeah no i there, um, there is there is that there's almost like a frightening uh, a frightening mental image of like Tracy being asked to wear furry bikinis and what's not exactly that, yeah. Because it was like it was obligatory for every female to get her like tits out and have her hands over them, you know. And it's kind of like, what the hell's going on here? Mm. Missed that and all that, you know, it's, which is good. We never got any of that kind of thing, you know. We weren't like that Wendy James thing and all that. We kind of totally gave that a swerve, you know. Have so you read have, have, have you read Mickey from Lush's book? I have actually, yeah. I, I Listen to the audio book, yeah. It's one of those things. It's one of those things that you know when you were like sort of fourteen, fifteen at the time, and having the time of your life, and then you're just a bit like, that's sort of the reality of it all. It's just fucking gross. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, some rough stuff in that. Yeah, I mean, mm. childhood, obviously, and uh, mm. yeah, the um, yeah, all that stuff with the Lapalooza, whatever it was. Yeah. So yeah, I guess the the other thing I was going to ask. So you know, we were talking about the nineties, like so. Like, where did you all go? Like, there's that period between 92 and 2009 where, I mean, you're just, you know, it's the, the name, the primitives. So you're, you're, you're this cult indie band. Like, what what did you all do? I don't know if we were a cult indie band. I mean, maybe... I mean, you were. You were. Well, I felt like we were <clears throat> just kind of um, best forgotten about, you know. So I did. Um, it wasn't until the late 90s when, um, you know, the internet kind of started and I saw there was fan sites and things like this. And other bands were sort of, you know, naming us as an influence. But, um, yeah, I don't know, just after we'd gone, it felt like we were, like we'd never existed in the first place. But, um, I don't know, well, we all kind of did different things, really. You know, I mean, I was doing a bit of artwork and graphic design. Trace was doing um, bits and bobs with the sort of uh, various kind of people involved with dance music over in Birmingham. I was still doing music in, like, the mid-90s, and, that, and then it kind of... Um, I'd sort of put a kind of halt to it and guitar went away for 10 years and, you know, that was it really. I just thought, oh, that's done, you know. 
it, it feels a bit like, you know, obviously you and like Tracy kind of being constants. Like I, I always felt like with the primitives that they were sort of a band that were formed by, you know, sort of pop kids, really like people who really got the beauty of this stuff. I mean, I've read about you being a bit of a, uh, you being kind of a record, a record collector. And like, I think that, just the way that you styled yourselves and the way that you presented yourselves suggested that you were like, you know, you, you got what all of this was about. I imagine that kind of not making music must have been kind of pretty heartbreaking. No, not really, because I actually, I did become a bit of a record collector, like old, um, old obscure pop and Northern Soul and stuff. So that kind of took over for me, um, you know, sort of late 90s and stuff. That was my kind of obsession for music and not what, what I could, myself you know right so um yeah that so you know i was just i was just enjoying other people's music really at that time right yeah did you all lose touch yeah well yeah me and tracy did yeah um i think there's a period of about seven years when we hadn't seen each other or even spoken and it was our, our um steve our bass player the original guy in the band he died in 2000 and uh, 2009, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the thing that put us back in touch with each other, you know, because I had to obviously find out where Tracy was to let her know and things. And, uh, yeah, so that was the um, that was the thing that got us talking again, you know. What was that like when you reconnected? Like, did you leave on okay terms or? Oh, yeah, we, we hadn't fallen out or anything, we just drifted apart. I mean, I think Tracy was living in Argentina in the um, um first well like 2008 when it would have been 20 years since you know the big stuff happened for us so that was the only time i ever thought about um if we were going to do a reunion it'd be now kind of thing but then i found out that she was in argentina so um kind of put paid to that and i didn't think about it anymore after that it's been a um kind of like a weird discography since you got back together like i really love echoes and rhymes but I also think it's a really strange record to release. It's like your first like record back in the ring. But it, yeah. I guess you talking about being you talking about kind of getting so into record collecting, it makes a bit more sense. Yeah, I guess it was from that. Yeah, we did we did put a single out before that, which was new stuff, and it had two covers as well. So it was a kind of a, a taster for really really for what we would be doing later on with the covers album, and then obviously we did our own. Um, new material album as well but yeah that was like a the idea with that that record echoes and rhymes was a sort of tribute to kind of obscure or you know never saw the light of day female fronted songs really so i, I love the adam and eve tune yeah that's a good one yeah i don't really know anything about that that i don't really know anything about the original in fact i don't actually think i've even heard the original where did that song kind oh. of kind of pop, pop, get pop on your radar I was looking on um, eBay and someone was trying to sell the, the Adam and Eve album based on that track for like 40 quid or something. And I knew it was like just some cheesy 60s thing, so I kept looking and I got it for like a couple of pounds in the end. And it's all like, I mean, the best you could describe it as is kind of sort of cheesy Euro Donovan type stuff. That song's kind of quite Valve Underground and a bit crowd rock. That. And then there's another one that's quite good called Desert Song. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's it's, a, it's good. The original we kind of done it. We did it different, you know. The original's got this weird low saxophone thing going through it, and uh, 
those sort of wind sounds and hooting and stuff. It's also been some time since like a collection of uh, of originals. Like, do you have plans for a new record of primitive songs? I don't think we would do an album again. Um, it's funny how many people are saying that at the moment. I've always been more of like a song guy than an album guy, but yeah, yeah, it, it's kind of it's it's surprising to me how many people are saying, "Yeah, I'm not really sure I've got an album in me." I've got the idea sworn, but it's um, developing the songs, and I mean, not sort of you know trying to feel sorry for ourselves, but uh, I don't think there's that many people in the world that would sort of give a shit if we did an, an album, you know. So it's not really worthwhile doing twelve, fourteen new songs when it's best maybe to kind of I only right now when it's a, a I feel kind of an obligation to finish an idea because it, it sounds like it could be one of our best, you know, so those ones get completed. But um the ones that sound like they could be pretty good if I kept working on them, I tend not to now. It's just kind of I like the idea of just trickling out the odd thing here and there, you know, like we've just done this single and maybe next year around the gigs in maybe could perhaps release something then as well. So, I mean, you say that about like people, you don't feel like there's enough people who care. Like, I mean, I just feel like there is a general malaise about music and culture in this country right now. Anyway, I think, yes. it's, yeah, maybe. Yeah. You know, for me, like music still just makes my, you know, blood feel like Tizer or something, but yeah. it's, um, there's something, it's like, there's something missing like within, quote unquote the scene right there's like it's like you know i i really feel for fans of music who haven't kind of like given up who still want to hear the new stuff who still want to like hear stuff they've never heard before i really feel like you really feeling the effect now of like no music press no john peel um no music tv and those things might sound a bit kind of archaic but like it's not like tiktok has replaced that no you wonder what the i was thinking about this earlier it's like what a new band, I don't know what the course is. It used to be the, if you're a band like us, it would be the, uh, you know, you get a little bit in the NME and you get a Peel session and maybe Janice Long plays you. And it's this definite kind of route, you know, whereas I don't know, and you could end up in the chart via that route, you know, if you were lucky. Yeah. Um, and you could end up having a career. I don't know what it is now. I don't know what, the, what you're supposed to do if you're a new band, you know. And I feel like it's been that like that for a time. I mean, I did an episode the other day with Simon Williams from Face Panda, and um, you know the record label Face Panda, yeah, who kind of broke a load of people. And um, you know, I used to look at that guy as almost being like, I mean, that's what he did. You know, he sort of he was like one of those kind of like prospectors in the American West that would like yeah. go sit down by the river and kind of like sift through stuff, and he'd just find like a yeah, find a boat. Yeah, totally. And it's like, um, I feel like even if he did that now, I don't really know what you would do next with it. And I'm, I'm always really like reticent to sort of just moan about it because I'm a bit like, well, you know, what needs to be done, you know, because this stuff's too good to kind of give up on. But yeah, did it, yeah. did it, did it really kind of come as a surprise when, you know, majors came in for you in the eighties? The major labels. Well, yeah, did it kind of, I mean, you were saying that almost like, you know, if you were lucky and, you know, if the stars aligned, then you could get a career out of it. Was yeah. it Was it a surprise to you when that happened? Well, we'd been doing the indie thing for two years and um, end of 87, I think there was, um, I think there'd been a lot of goodwill from, you know, some of the music press, but it felt like that was on the decline a little bit. Right. And the option was to try and get a signed. I mean, there's, I think 
quite a few of the top indie bands wanted to get signed because it was that thing of, um, you know, you're on the dole and stuff, you can't keep doing this. And you want to be able to have more money to stay longer in the studio and things. Um, so, yeah, there was only a little bit of interest in us. And we, you know, I mean, we we'd more or less recorded Crash and that was a kind of, well, what do you think of this? You know, maybe there's a chance for this to be a hit. Right. That was used as a carrot on a stick, really, you know. So, yeah, it worked. But, I mean, I feel like we only just about got a deal, you know. It was kind of, there was another company interested and then they didn't want to do it. So, and it was on, it was just at that cusp of, like, what are we going to do next? Because um, going into 88, you know, um, there's no, it felt like there was no mileage left in the indie thing. And, um, you know, petered out and would have gone back to the dole and been forced into jobs in warehouses or whatever. Just having a look at this, um, I'm just having a look at this, uh, this Coventry Music Museum um, Primitives exhibition, and it looks really, it looks really good. Yeah, is that um, the thing that's there already? Because um, we've got a little half a half a display cabinet. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. This isn't there a? He's sat in the sat in the specials car, you know, from the. Oh, that, that's right. Yeah, yeah. The um, yeah, that's in there. But half of it is. Yeah, gonna have to. Um, I'm, I'm a bit cursed with Coventry, right? So, so I'm a I'm a ground hopper. Like I, uh, I've been trying to do the '92 for years, like football, and yeah. um, because Coventry are like this kind of crisis club that hop between playing in Northampton for a bit and then playing in Birmingham for a bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. I haven't I haven't been to see Coventry play in Coventry, and um, I'm just I'm, but they are but they are there this season. Um, yeah. They're playing at home, so I'm actually just wondering whether I can. Sync up a day at the football in a, an hour or so, walking around your exhibition. So. It would take about an hour. It's not a massive place. It's, it's packed full of stuff. It's kind of amazing, though, that like Coventry celebrates that stuff. I mean, yeah, yeah. You, you know, like I grew up near Sheffield, and you know, there's a you know, say Sheffield has got obviously got like a pretty rich musical legacy, and there is there are nods to it and stuff. You know, there was that British pop yeah. museum that was there for a while, but this this is you know, good on Cov. Yeah, it's Pete Chambers who put it all together, yeah. And um, I didn't realise there was so much from here, but uh, apparently there is, so, yeah. Amazing. So the new single, when's it out? Oh, that's been out. We've uh, sold out of that, so... All right, well, forget about that then. Well, it's actually coming out in America, which I think you can get on import, so that's going to be, it's like a 12-inch of it in um, January, I think. Oh, right, nice, cool. And then the tour is... That's in May, yeah. It starts. Uh, I don't know what it is. It's uh, the middle of May. I presume you make it to London. Yeah, yeah. We're playing the Islington Academy. I do like it when bands are like, say, venues that are near to my house. If they say, <laughs> I mean, if they say, I mean, I'll be honest. It, it would take me a lot to get to West London. Like, it would have to be like Joy Division reforming with Nirvana opening. For me to yeah. think, I'm going yeah, to get, yeah. I'm going to get on this tube tonight. But now, Islington, I'm, I'm, I'm there, man. I, uh, yeah, I'll, right, yeah. I'll put you on I, the guest list. Lovely. That's, that's what this whole interview was about. Just me being like, oh, I wonder if I can. Well, get I've on said the guest that. List. Someone will go go along with you, right? You have to edit, edit that bit out. <laughs> do you know? It, do you know what it's happened? It's happened a couple of times over the years, and uh, and it never stops being creepy. I might. So I tell you what I'll do. I might message you a a a, a um, non diplom. Yeah. 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 Listen, thanks so much for the uh, for the chat, man. It's been a, a real buzz. I feel like I've learned a lot. All right, good. All right, Paul. Uh, I look forward to seeing you next year. Okay, cheers. See you then, James. 
Well, that was episode 95. Thanks to Paul for the chat. The theme tune is by the band Jobbers. And I'll see you soon. Listen to the radio or something? Radio? <laughs> Who needs a radio? Ready, Harry? <laughs> Mock! Yeah! Ing! Yeah! Bird! Yeah! 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 Mockingbird, don't everybody have you heard? Have you heard? She's gonna buy She's gonna me buy a mockingbird. And if that mockingbird don't sing, she's gonna buy me a diamond ring. And if that diamond ring don't shine, and Lloyd, look, there's some people who want to ride too. Pick them up!